We are two real mamas who wouldn't have survived the NICU journey if it weren't for coffee, White Claws, and each other. We invite you to join us as we share our experiences about two micropremies who took different paths through the NICU. We'll share our stories in hopes to inspire and educate parents, grandparents, and friends. I'm Macy Penning, along with Taylor Matson, and this is the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. How's your Wednesday going? I truthfully didn't even know it was Wednesday. That's. that's... <laughs> oh, you. Uh, I had a massage today. Yeah, you suck. I'm jealous. Yeah, it was kind of nice. <laughs> I don't know. What does your shirt say? Uh, Mahomes to Kelsey. Mahomes to Kelsey. But I made this last year. So, you know oh. what? Predict the future. <laughs> Well, we are gathered back together now. Um, okay, so where were we? You were t- we were just getting. Hey, can I ask my question now. Yeah, please ask okay. away. Okay, so Jamie, you were gestationally how many weeks when you had the surgery? I so I found out at our twenty week ultrasound. I had surgery at twenty four weeks okay. and five days because you had to have it by twenty six weeks. Um, the reason being is by 26 weeks, they say like the kidneys start to function more and the amniotic fluid just becomes too damaging to the nerves is one reason. And I think also risk just in general, but there's a, there's a big reason why they do it between like, I think it's 22 or 23 weeks and 26 weeks. I think when they first started, they were doing it earlier than maybe 20 weeks and I mean you can lead to preterm birth there's a lot of like rules and limitations on you after having surgery so yeah I was 24 weeks and five days so okay when you and your husband like made the decision like this is what you were doing I guess in my head I'm thinking obviously not even similar medically what we're going through but were you able to like find that support? Did you find a group of people to connect with? Um, so it took us a while to just like even share. We didn't know anyone that had spina bifida at that point, but I remember when I shared with you, Macy, I think you put in one of your groups online, you know, talked about your friend had mentioned a few people, I think commented that, you know, this person has a child with spina bifida. So I had a few people reach out, but it was also, I was so overwhelmed with a thousand decisions and preparing to move to Philadelphia for maybe the duration of my pregnancy and leaving my kids that at that time, I didn't really prioritize like getting to know other moms that had been through it because I didn't have time. I mean, we found out at 20 weeks and by 24, we were in another state. (laughs) I was going to say, you probably were just on, not like survival mode, but you kind of were just, yeah. Yeah. Even imagine both you and Macy, you know, doing all of this with other children in the house. Yes. That I look, I think back and currently miles is older right now than Bo was when I left. And it was so hard. I just remember to leave him. I had never spent a night away from him and 
there was just a lot of logistics to figure out. Brooklyn was going to start preschool that year. We had to get our parents and family lined up to take care. So yeah, there was just, it was those few weeks were just a blur and definitely not fun to look back on because you're still, you're a total mess after everything you've just heard, but you're expected to continue to take care of, of two kids. It was just so hard. So Macy, I mean, you're, you're super (laughs) kid relatable to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the difference though, is like you were in Philadelphia, I was in Iowa city. And even though it was COVID and it's not like the kids could come all the time, i still got to see them for 30 minutes once a week when his David's parents would bring them over. And I just, I remember just like checking in with you and like seeing how long were you there? So we left on, it would have been August 14th and got back on September. We were there for 51 days. So we were there for over seven weeks and two days, but um, we didn't know, you know, if we would be there Mm long-term, but my brother, Keith and Sarah, they were, they were, if we wouldn't have gotten to go home when we did, they were prepared to bring the kids out to see me. So I wouldn't have had to go through the whole pregnancy without seeing them, but luckily mm-hmm. we were able to go home. So yeah, I kind of remember having a conversation with you. You're like, I want to come home. I don't like towards yeah. the end. I remember you were saying like, I don't really understand why we're still here and you're really struggling with missing the kids and missing yeah. home. And I was just like, you're in control girl. Like you, yeah. you if you want to check yourself out of the hospital, you totally can. <laughs> yeah. So. so, well, um, so just some backstory on just the surgery too. We had surgery on August 19th and you go in after that for, I was admitted for a few days, but then, um, we had to stay close or local. Um, we stayed in the Ronald McDonald house, which was very close, um, to the hospital there. But, um, at our weekly appointments, the very first one, they are checking for membrane separation. So membrane separation is not good and could, um, lead to an earlier delivery. The goal with, um, the surgery is to get to 37 weeks. Um, that's chops guideline to get to 37 weeks before they deliver. But, um, I remember at week one, they noticed a little bit of membrane separation and I just bawled because Mm. if I had, I knew membrane separation would lead to being stuck out there and, um, I would be away from my kids for the whole time, but miraculously the next week, they did not see any sign of it. They never saw any sign of it again. Um, But when, when we were doing all our consults, they knew like, if I could get back to Iowa, that's what I wanted to do. But they also were fully preparing me that if anything happens or goes wrong, you will have to stay in Philadelphia and deliver. So Yeah, it was, I think because I had the initial membrane separation, I think they were a little more apprehensive to release me. They wanted to make sure that I was close enough to a hospital that could deliver me, which luckily for me, the University of Iowa is right there and could. Um, But part of the reason I really wanted to go home too is, well, A, my kids, I felt like it was better for my family and us to all be together again as the four of us before there became five and just, I missed them so much. And that was not doing anything for my mental state at the time Mm -hmm. to be away from them. But, um, I just wanted to deliver in Iowa to get plugged in with Iowa resources right away too. So just everything I had 
looked up and researched, I felt like, you know, everything that we might need for miles is going to be easier to get for miles because I'll have support from the hospital if mm-hmm. he's born there than if, if he's not. So, mm-hmm. um, as you guys know, it's, it can be hard to get some of the services or things that you need if they're not like immediate, immediately referred or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what was your, I guess, how long, or why can't I think of the correct term for this? How far along were you when you delivered? So when we, um, so CHOP, their, their ideal is to get to 37 weeks. I think the average that women deliver is 33 or 34 weeks, just because there's a lot of, there's membrane separation, preterm delivery. I mean, just a lot of things that could go wrong, but um, the University of Iowa, they told us when we initially got the diagnosis um, that they typically delivered at 36 weeks. So I always had that number in the back of my head, but CHOP really wanted, I think the University of Iowa had to tell CHOP they would consider 37 weeks, but it was always 36 weeks once I got back. So they delivered me right at 36 weeks, really, I think due to just protocols and preference of, I mean, and, and for me too, I didn't want anything to go wrong if he was okay. And I birthed big babies. So he was, he was plenty good sized at 36 (laughs) weeks. So, yeah. So he was, so I had surgery at 24 weeks and was considered like strict bed rest for the remainder of the pregnancy. I, I took a wheelchair, you know, if I left the house, um, from then on. So I wasn't able to, to care for my kids or really do much for them. Michael was pretty strict about what he would let mm-hmm. me do. So it was, it was rough, but it was but a you, lot better to get back home. to Iowa. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I remember when you first got home, did you post a video? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I remember I was crying. Falling. I could feel all of that and I couldn't because I'm not similar but I'm like oh my god I'm just so happy (laughs) oh my gosh it was and so for context there's a video that Jamie posted when she came home and did you surprise them we did we surprised the kids the kids yeah know that we were coming oh my gosh you and Michael walk into the room and you are emotional Michael's emotional everybody in the room is emotional and the kids are like Oh my God. And they come running to you and Bo hadn't seen you. And he was young, little, yes, little guy. And it was just so emotional and sweet. And yeah. oh, oh my he, God. I was I, just sobbing. I told, I uh-huh. think I texted you. I'm like, I'm bawling right now. <laughs> yeah. I think I heard that from a lot of people. We shared it because we, we wanted, people were so good to us through everything that it's not typically like me to be so open about some of that stuff, but we were so well supported. I mean, look at just even getting to meet you, Taylor, and other people. So, um, yeah, we just felt like it was something special to share because it was so such a big piece of the journey. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll never forget Bo because at his age, when you're FaceTiming, he doesn't get it yet, and he wasn't really interactive with us. So I feel like I didn't have any contact with Mm -hmm. my beau who was a mama's boy before I left and Mm -hmm. he just melted into my arms and wouldn't go it's like 
and seven weeks is a long time. So it was so heartwarming. <laughs> I always say that three-year-old, three-year-olds are my favorite. People always say how like, you know, the terrible two is just preparing you for the threes that are just even worse, which I didn't experience. But so Harper was three when I had left and I just feel like I missed so much. I mean, seven months of her being three and now mm-hmm. Noah is three. And so I, I kind of feel you at that. Like, I cannot believe Noah is the same age as what Harper was when I was gone. So, yeah. Oh, crazy. That makes me They're so resilient. <laughs> they are. And that's what everyone always told us because that was the hardest thing is to leave them. But mm-hmm. everyone was always reassuring us that they wouldn't remember this. And, you know, I remember again, back to the initial call with Chop, Michael saying, you know, this kid is going to have a hard enough life as, as it is like we can sacrifice for a short time to give him the best outcome possible. So that's just another factor that fed into our choice to go to Philadelphia, which, which was the best thing for us. That team was, yeah, so incredible. There is just a mecca of amazing healthcare happening. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Real Moms of the NICU podcast. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. It's the Real Mamas of the NICU on Instagram and search for the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast on Facebook. Okay, let's talk about delivery because it was a C-section. Yep. Yep. So I had like awake and like what are the emotions and all of that. Yeah. So I was awake. We had had previous consults with kind of the NICU team a few weeks before his delivery as we were planning it so they could help prepare us for what we might expect. Um, One of the doctors that I know you guys have talked about on your podcast, and I just, I loved your podcast. I listened to it all when I was out in Philadelphia. It really helped me prepare for what the NICU, I mean, my NICU story is so short compared to yours, of course, but it was just it was so weird to see people that I'd heard you talk about. So we were prepared for that at that point, but we went in for the C-section. It was my first C-section. So the incision that I had is essentially, it's like hip bone to hip bone, much higher than um, a typical C-section. And they use that same, um, same scar, same incision for delivery went back. Um, and yeah, it, I just had not had a delivery in that way before. So it was certainly different, um, not being able to hold him right away, but they had kind of prepared me for, you know, we don't know respiratory wise at 36 weeks, what he'll be like. Um, so they of course took him to the table and did all their assessments. So then they brought him to the head of my bed and they kind of basically didn't prepare me that that might happen. They kind of more so prepared me that they would take him and I might see him for hours later. So I was so, I was, it was very bittersweet to finally have him there, but I was very relieved that I knew if they kept him at the head of my bed for as long as they did, that he was doing okay in that Mm -hmm. moment. So um, yeah, it was emotional um, for that reason. And then when they did finally take him to just start doing some of the tests and stuff that they had planned, Michael went with and um, my mom, she came. So she stayed in the uh, OR with me until I was able to get back to recovery because I wanted every update I could get on my Mm -hmm. baby. So Mm -hmm. she was able to communicate with Michael and yeah. So section, he was Eight pounds, three ounces at 36 weeks. (laughs) 
what age were your babies? Noah and Liam, Apex. <laughs> I know, seriously. Right? Yeah. I, I don't even know. <laughs> oh, yes, he was he was a big big guy for for 36 weeks. So, yeah. So, what did what did you find out? Like what were the updates like and were they better than you expect or about the yeah. same or You know, I think we were prepared that maybe just breathing wouldn't go well and he he was never never needed any support as far as oxygen. I mean, they really prepared me that he would likely need to be intubated potentially and he wasn't needing Mm -hmm. that so um it was really good I mean one thing with Miles that was always reassuring and um his legs were always moving on ultrasound even at 20 weeks um Mm -hmm. club foot is very common with babies with spina bifida he had never shown signs of that so really just that he was moving his legs was incredible to us and just made us so relieved and so happy that that we might see you know good movement um but yeah respiratory wise he was fine some of the tests that they had to do you know the common baby tests with mm-hmm. mri ct of his head and brain so the size of his ventricles um they were always enlarged because of the spina bifida and pulling on his uh spinal cord but they monitored the size of his ventricles in utero because they, I, I think at the university of Iowa, based on scans, they were, ex, they were expecting that he might need um, like a shunt or mm-hmm. intervention for hydrocephalus. But they also always told me they really treat the symptoms and not just the size of the ventricles. So I think we were, pretty on edge or curious if he would need that type of intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the fetal surgery, it reduces the risk or re- reduces the chance of needing a shunt. So that was another reason we knew shunt, a shunt would be okay. If he needs it, he still doesn't have one yet. And we hope he doesn't, but um, just another benefit to the surgery that we wanted to give him if we could. So, yeah, but I was, it was so weird to be in the NICU because I just feel like I had this image of what it looked like based on your podcast and talking to you. And, um, yeah, we, well, I was shocked when you said you were going home. So I was like, so are we, (laughs) yeah, we were there very, it was short. So we, um, three nights, uh, three or four nights had him on a Tuesday and went home on a Friday. So, um, we, so I had, uh, like thought breastfeeding was going okay. thought we were eating fine, went home, but then he ended up back in the hospital a week later because he was not eating as well as I thought. So, um, you know, hindsight, maybe we should have, I shouldn't have been so confident in my <laughs> ability to feed him and maybe we would have stayed a little bit longer, but it all worked out how it was supposed to. So Um, but yeah, urology was a service that saw him neurology, neurosurgery. Um, and those are all services that we still follow. So, um, not technically neurology that often, but, uh, it was, it was pretty uneventful. I think it was, it was funny because there were a few 
I, I could mention Macy's name and a few of the nurses knew them. So it was just fun to feel like I was <laughs> friends with these people that I got to see a short, <laughs> very short while. Um, and a lot of people were just really interested in miles too, because fetal surgery isn't something that they see every day, even at the university of a fetal, sur- a baby that had fetal surgery. So. So what did his scar look like? Or like, what did the, the backside of him look like? Yeah, that was, uh, that was so cool because you could see the, um, sutures were visible on his back still. So to have a baby that had visible sutures on his back as he's born was just so, I mean, here I lived through this surgery that I thought was, and still believe is miraculous. It was just incredible to see, but it was healed up. There was a bit of a piece at the end that they initially didn't know if it was fully closed or not, but it was really just more of a dimple. So we weren't able to hold miles right away, but I was very eager to get to hold him and asking to hold him every chance I could, Mm -hmm. but I didn't get to hold him until the next day, I think. So, um, can you tell like today if that he has spina bifida from a visual standpoint? Um, you know, at 14 months, well, as he was a baby, you know, I hate the term normal now Mm -hmm. because they're all normal and they're all special in their own ways. But I had so many people say like, Miles looks like he's developing completely normal and he looks normal. Um, and I, I see that and agree in a lot of ways as he's now that he's 15 months and I see him around other kids, his age, you know, there's definitely, uh, delayed and delayed delayed physical milestones for sure um and then so one thing with miles he did develop hydrocephalus so when he was born they they said he had ventriculomegaly so enlarged ventricles but not quite hydrocephalus but it developed um over time so he had a surgery called an etv uh in october but his head got bigger. His head went from on the charts to off the charts. So, you know, if, if you know, he has spina bifida, you know, hydrocephalus can go with that. You would, you know, you might look at miles and think, uh, I hope he doesn't hear this someday and think I'm saying I have, (laughs) he has a big head, but he has a big head. He always has, but it definitely got bigger. Um, but, and then his scar is still, of course, uh, visible there too. So it's faded a lot. It was very red, I guess at, at birth, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's faded a lot more now. So he'll always have a, a precious little scar on his back to remind him of everything he's been through. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So crazy. It is crazy. I just can't even believe I didn't even know that that was like an option that you could do that in your side and just the whole, the details of everything. I'm like, it is just so awesome how medicine and like how far technology and all of that has come. Yeah. Oh, I, it's mind blowing. Actually, I sent Macy, um, an article recently. So the guy who did my fetal, one of the fetal surgeons at chalk who did my surgery, one of his current and big research projects, um, is basically developing a womb for babies outside of the woman's body to where these early preemies would 
basically stay in there and further develop. But it was uh, some of the doctors that were coming in prior to my delivery with Miles were knew of this guy because he's big in the MFM world. And it was just interesting to hear their take because at the University of Iowa, they're so successful and do Mm -hmm. such such amazing things for these 22, 23-weekers that it's just a different approach, I think, of course, to to what he's doing. But yeah, just so cool you, how it I've intertwined. Heard, I've heard you talk about the sec. It's called. Is it a called a second birth? Like Miles they, literally birthed twice. I mean, so he was in the elements yeah. once before. <laughs> yeah, they. So the documentary that they do about this fetal surgery and a few other types is called Twice Born. Twice Born. Um, yeah. So they, they say twice born and that's kind of the term I use that he was first born in Philadelphia. I mean, his, his back was exposed to air. They don't take him all the way out, but they, they use the lactated ringers to float him to the top so that his, but it's just, it's crazy to think about when they tell you the amount of teams and people that are in that room monitoring mm-hmm. the baby and me and doing the surgery it's I think they told me it's like just shoulder to shoulder all the way around like three deep like just so many people in there to make it happen but yeah twice twice born and just so grateful that they do that I think I think we're so one of the reasons to do the fetal surgery too is that they say basically the early repair kind of gives kids a level or two down like salvages or saves the nerves and ability a level or two down um and with miles being l3 he probably shouldn't be doing some of the things that he's doing now as far as mobility and movement but um, i've never had anyone say yes his defect starts at l2 but Mm -hmm. he presents as something else so Mm -hmm. I think we'll figure that out over time as he yeah, that's grows. Yeah, that's a great question. Where where are you at in knowing what his outlook will look like? Because I know for Noah, like, we still don't really know. <laughs> like, yeah. she's three yeah. and she's, you know, doing yeah. all of her things. But do you know, like, what his outlook, do you know if he'll eventually walk independently? Or what is it? What are people saying? You know, I think a lot of, so we see therapy, physical therapy pretty regularly. That's the biggest service that we use as far as therapy. And they're, I think they're very hopeful, but nobody wants to say, I do remember um, we went out to back out to chop in June for their fetal family reunion. And we saw the neurosurgeon, we had an appointment with him while we were there. And he said, you know, he, he looks like he'll be a walker to me and Michael, you know, just falls instantly starts crying because really the first person to actually say that because Mm -hmm. they call spina bifida the snowflake disorder any defect can present differently for any kid so they really can't say with l2 this is what you're going to see because there's such a variety of outcomes for kids but i mean i don't want to be like, I don't want to jinx us in any way, but I do think miles is definitely doing incredible things. He's, 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 he's definitely delayed, but he is showing really promising movement. He does currently walk with the gate trainer in the last week or two. He is just 
pulling up to stand quick as can be. Um, one thing with miles, uh, he has decreased sensation. So we don't think he can feel in his, um, well, either leg, not definitely not normal. Um, but when we went out to chop again, uh, as the surgeon was just further explaining the surgery, he said, they typically cut the sensory nerves to salvage the motor nerves, which makes sense that, you know, but it it just, it's been so eye opening to me, even just having some education and just like how the body works to see miles, like have movement without feeling, but also you, I mean, a lot of the times if he'll pull the stand, he might be like on the top of his foot because he can't feel it, but it just impacts how he moves. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if he can't feel his body or his feet or his knees, then I I don't know. You can just see an application, how that impacts him, but he's doing great things though. And we're, we're hopeful for him to walk, but just needs to develop a lot of core, like more core strength and Mm -hmm. muscle. There's, there's some like electrical stimulation or e-stim that we could do to hopefully help, um, improve that. You know, there's always people doing research to help kiddos, thankfully. So, um, yeah, but I I'd say to know his outcome, we don't know, but we're very, very hopeful for all the things that he is doing. And, um, you know, I think you guys can probably relate. It gets, it gets discouraging to see sometimes, you know, if he's, slower to to meet some of these milestones I look at it so differently than I did my older two um I'm thankful that he was my third for sure so that I had Taylor (laughs) (laughs) sorry Taylor (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah it just he's doing it at his own pace and well he's amazing you guys are amazing (laughs) I love the fact that you guys did whatever you good for him and you still continue to do that and provide him with all of the resources and you live in a great area for that and yes. <laughs> thankfully yes. Um, but yes you're doing awesome and um miles is extremely lucky to have you as parents well i think the same for liam and noah i mean it it's it's a lot to to handle all those extra appointments but any parent is going to do that for their kid. I'm not doing anything any different than anyone else would do to, to help their child. So yeah, we're, we're thankful that we're where we are and that he's doing so well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, sorry, Liam just joined me. So if you hear some craziness, that's what it is. But I think too, Jamie, like you, just being able to share your story, you're going to help so many other moms and families going through maybe something similar because, you know, I can only imagine how you felt in that moment. So props to you for just being open and vulnerable about that because it's not the easiest. Well, I would agree. I thank you for giving me the opportunity because I would have I searched and I soaked up everything that I could find as just like I'm sure you guys did about people in our situation. I remember getting into, you know, some Facebook groups online that 
I was searching topics of L2 and fetal mm-hmm. surgery and just every key word that you could think of to do research and figure out and see, you know, what does this, which again, you can't compare any child. I've certainly learned that. Um, but yeah, it, if there's anyone that eventually stumbles upon this, that's in the situation we were in, um, hopefully they would, they would have a nugget or two to take away to, to help well, them with their decision-making. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope they get their little booties to Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be my, uh, first recommendation too. We have nothing but great things to say about that team and just feel like we, you know, we know that God took us there for a reason and feel like that they were just the very best team for us and just put all the right people, most amazing surgeons in one place. They just, be, they became our family for those seven weeks that mm-hmm. we didn't see anyone else Well, that we knew. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Great awesome. place. Nothing but positive things to say about them. Well, great story. I'm so glad I finally got you on here. And um, we'll be following you guys and give us an update and hopefully like, you know, next season or the season after because Taylor and I yeah. are going to do this for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are doing so many great things for <laughs> moms and parents and families in these types of situations. So you guys Thank keep you. up the good work too. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Real Moms of the NICU podcast. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. It's the Real Mamas of the NICU on Instagram and search for the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast on Facebook.